0: Listening to the Testudo Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus, and welcome to episode 130 of the Testudo Times podcast, take three. You are really, really happy you didn't hear the first two takes of us trying to record this, right? Todd? Yeah,
1: those. Those are the takes that should be thrown just into the seventh circle of hell.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, I think Dante had more levels of hell. Maybe the eleventh level of hell. There was... are
1: there are a lot, but this is seventh.
0: You know, well, they weren't
1: seventh. like the worst things I've ever done, but it was rough.
0: No, it's not the worst things I've ever seen. Speaking of which, actually, uh, on a brief tangent. The Athletic is running something right now where it's asking media members, what's the worst team you've ever covered? What was the experience? There's already been one on the Jaguars. There's already been one on the Mets. And there's one coming on 1997 Maryland football. I'm really excited for that one. I don't remember who the name of the writer was. I'm going to look that up right now. But that's coming later this week. And I'm really excited to read that.
1: Yeah, as am I. By the way, guys, it's not Heather I, uh, that's That's what I know. That's what I think I should definitely Heather point out. And it's not me didn't you the... you should ask
0: Alex about that one <laughs> no it's it's actually Seth Emerson I I really wish I had looked up who he was but he's talking about 97 Maryland football I bet it was that bad. Oh, I'm sure anyway uh, there's some good ones on here some of the teams that are on this list of worst teams ever we have in the NFL we have the 2016 Jaguars oh well, they they sucked trust me I lived through it the 2000 and 2001 Chargers, and they were pretty bad. The 93 Mets, the one after the book was written about them by Maryland alum Frank Isola. And we're getting to the NBA ones, the Warriors before they were good, the Clippers, the 2015-16 Sixers. I mean, the one that won 10 games. There's some good ones in here. I'm really excited to read some of these. Personal
1: favorite for me was like the 2012 Eagles.
0: That you was remember, a good one, too. Well, yes. That
1: was supposed to be the dream team. They called themselves the dream team, and then they went 4-12. and 12.
0: That's right. Well, I've you know, never
1: seen anything like that.
0: Oh, I've seen a lot of good teams go bad, trust me. But I think that part of the reason why I don't remember that team as well, because I was one year out of high school. If I was still in high school that year, knowing how much I hated everything Philadelphia sports and wanted everybody else to suffer with me, I would have remembered that team a lot more than I actually do. Anyway, I'm, I'm pretty sure that covering some of these Maryland football teams in recent years would actually qualify uh, for some of these lists, particularly the 2012 team but we're not getting into that. Let's talk about the 2018 football team and uh, as much as we tried to make it sound like we were semi optimistic on Saturday, it went just about as well as we thought it was going to.
1: A little worse even. I mean, I don't Maryland think it was worse just
0: Worse necessarily? I think it went just as expected in more I can't really find the words. It went about what I thought it was going to in sometimes in different ways.
1: The degree to which Maryland could not move the football and completely abandoned the pass was disheartening, especially after a bye week and after you had all this time to prepare. And then it looks like about a quarter into the game, you've completely just thrown out half the playbook at least.
0: Well, also, Um, Michigan was losing. They didn't have Rashawn Gary and they lost a couple of other defensive linemen.
1: Yeah. And so if you're going to move the ball against Michigan at all, you know, Th- that's your opportunity, and Maryland just didn't. I mean, Michigan is good. Michigan is like good, all caps italicized, and the fact that they it's lost still not at Notre better Dame, than Penn
0: State, and Ohio State.
1: <laughs> well, the fact that they lost at Notre Dame week one, I think Michigan might be better than Penn State, and they might like. I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Ohio State.
0: Well, what we can say for sure now, having watched enough of them play, is that Michigan has a better defense than both of Penn State and Ohio State. Yes. That's guaranteed. Um, but beyond that, I mean, here's, here's what I think was most disappointing to me. The defense actually played pretty dang well. And Michigan's offense isn't, you know, Ohio State's offense or some of the best offenses in the country. We're not talking Tua and Alabama here. Maryland's defense played pretty well for as much as they possibly could. And you saw how talented that group was. Because Michigan's pretty talented on offense, too, even if they're not one of the premier offenses right now in college football and they just at a point couldn't do anymore because the offense was doing nothing for them. It almost felt like a carbon copy for a while of the Ohio State game last year, which had a very similar Ty Johnson kick return for a touchdown.
1: Yeah, although I think Maryland was already down like two scores when that one happened. And this one put Maryland up 7-3 and then they got the interception. And for like about 12 seconds, you thought an upset was happening?
0: I said, I tweeted, I'm not going to get excited multiple times like it was Bart Simpson writing on the chalkboard like I know I can't get excited about this but this is a great 12 seconds in time
1: yeah and then uh, well I, th- I think I, I sent a couple excited tweets from the main account while in real life being like huh, how long is this going to last and it Not long.
0: not long <laughs> not long at all I, I think there are a couple of things from this game I want to mention I said the defense obviously we'll get to the offense in a second but the defense deserves a few pats on the back because they did play really well Uh, They gave up yards, but they stiffened when they had to. They got a fourth down stop. They forced an interception. And they held Michigan for a good chunk of the game. Antoine Brooks was having a monster game. Trey Watson had a monster game. You know, some of the defensive players that needed to play well played really well. And you saw how talented that defensive group was. We didn't know how good it was going to be, but that showed you how good they are. And they allowed 42 points, but I don't think that's an accurate reflection of them. For first, some of those points were on a pick six, and they were also on the field the entire day. So hats off to the defense. There was nothing that they could do more than they already did. So I feel like they deserve a special mention.
1: I would would say so. I mean, I don't think it was Maryland's best defensive performance of the year. I thought they were even better against Minnesota. But
0: But we're talking, but certainly here.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's obviously such a tough task against, I mean, a Michigan offense that kind of just grinds out drives. I mean, it felt like Michigan had the ball for about 15 minutes. I think they actually had it for maybe 35. But, you know, just long drives after long drives. The, The Maryland third down defense wasn't quite what it was in the first few games of the season. Maryland's third down defense was actually above average, which is like almost absurd to think about. Considering last year, Maryland was horrible on third down offense and defense. Um, and so that was the one thing that Maryland would have needed to be even better at, you know, to to give itself a little bit more of a chance for longer. But yeah, I mean, it, the the problems really started and almost entirely ended with the
0: offense. We will get to them in one second. I want to first talk about targeting, which is a very sensitive subject amongst most college football fans and I can understand that. Uh, This was a game that was not directly affected by targeting in terms of the result, but it is something that has stuck in my mind. Because the first play from scrimmage for Maryland, Kasim Hill was hit clearly in the head. It was only roughing the pass or not targeting when it clearly was targeting. That didn't get called. And then two Maryland players later in the game got ejected for targeting. And I'm not saying that they both weren't. The Trey Watson one, I understand. There's not, I don't think, a ton that he could do in that situation. But it's targeting. I get that in the modern sense. And then the other one, it was Ray Lewis's son, whose name I completely forget. And I'm sorry Ray Lewis. Thank you. I was going to say Marcus Lewis. I'm glad I didn't. Uh, that <laughs> one was far less of targeting. My big thing with this is, if we're going to have a targeting rule, you've got to be consistent with it. How those two are targeting and the first play from scrimmage is not targeting is ridiculous. And I know Maryland last year got the benefit of a horrible targeting call against Ohio State in that game, and that's also stuck with me too about how awful the rule could be interpreted. But come on. The fact that those two were called and the first play from scrimmage was not was an absolute joke. And I feel like that needs to be said.
1: Yeah, I would I would I would generally agree. I think what what really emphasizes all of this is that the penalty for it is so harsh. And in the cases like maybe the Trey Watson hit, there's not a ton of other things Trey Watson could have done there other than just given up on the play, which is not in really any good football player's nature. And so, you know, I think th- there's personal fouls and then there's there's targeting. And not maybe not every targeting call has to result in an injection. Maybe they can work it like the flagrant foul in basketball there's the you know with it comes in even more levels and that that's something that I thought of when I was watching that and and watching and rewatching the Watson hit in particular and thinking that that's not the worst thing I've ever seen that's probably not worth an ejection and a suspension for the first half of this coming game
0: I I think I get it like maybe you force him out for a play or something like that like maybe that's where you go, but you're already given 15 yards because it's a personal foul. And then you throw somebody out for the essentially three quarters maybe. And it it just seems ridiculous, especially when it's not called right. And these calls are also reviewed and the targeting. It it also, the first reason why I think that would never work is because you're giving a bunch of college football referees who aren't very good in the first place more to interpret on what level of targeting is. We got a level one and level two targeting. Like we got a flagrant one and flagrant two. And let's be honest. Nobody thinks officials do a good job anyway, and you having to give them more to do seems like, well, that would be bad. But I agree with you in principle, obviously, because what Trey Watson couldn't have done anything, and he had a tweet about it, and I completely sympathize with them. But more of my anger comes from the fact that if it's going to go one way, you have to be consistent and call it all the time. And the fact that it was not called in the first play from scrimmage, which was clearly targeting, based on the definition of the rule, it's ridiculous. And we're going to go on for this until the targeting rule gets eliminated or changed. And I don't feel like we should do that for very often, but that stuck in my head because of how awful the whole game went for Maryland. And it started on the first play. Maybe that should have been an indication. Speaking of how awful things went, the offense was terrible. And some of that, I think, is Michigan's defense is one of the best in the country. A lot of that is Maryland not doing really anything to adjust and completely abandoning the passing game. And this led to an interesting back and forth between Matt Canada and reporters on Cassim Hill because there were some people who were calling for Tyrell Pigram now to start and I don't think that's reasonable because Pigram excuse me would not have done any better than uh Kasim Hill would have but we talked about this before with Hill after the Temple game and Maryland's best games this year have been in ones where he has not had to throw the ball he looked fine against Texas but that was his best performance do you now start to get a little worried watching Kasim Hill and the fact that they are clearly not really that confident in him throwing the football in any sort of meaningful situation?
1: I would say I'm more worried by the latter. I mean, you know, he didn't look great when he dropped back to throw, but he looked okay. I remember him completing, you know, on like a third and middle distance, you know, a really good, making a really good throw, hitting DJ Turner in stride. And then when they finally started passing the ball again, like in the fourth quarter, I remember seeing him you know, make some make some good throws there. So he he might not have all the confidence in the world right now, which is not something which that's not a good thing. And then he he was he was under pressure a lot, got sacked a few times. But yeah, I I don't understand completely abandoning the passing game, especially that that first drive of the second half is really what sticks out to me when they get all the penalties and they get second and thirty. And then they run a handoff, and they get stuffed. And then on third and thirty, you have no idea what to do. Kasim Harel rolls out, gets sacked. And like the whole day, obviously wasn't fourth and thirty-six, but felt like the whole the whole the whole day felt like fourth and forever. A lot of three and outs, a lot of short drives.
0: Do y'all remember playing NFL Blitz when you were younger and the drowns were first and thirty? Maybe I'm the only one who remembers that. I'm probably not, but I always remember playing NFL Blitz and the downs were not 10s, it was 30. And in that game, yardage was easy to get. Real-life football and NFL Blitz is what I'm saying here.
1: I don't have a joke for that. Um,
0: I love yeah. NFL Blitz, that's basically what I'm saying. And if you can go back and play some of those old games, it's from like the late 90s Yeah, I was about to say, real-life so might fun. be
1: NFL Blitz if you're like, insert, <laughs> yeah. if if you're Tua Tagovailoa, we'll
0: say <laughs> yes. that. Yes. Well, for him, he can play NFL Blitz when he's playing in real life because he's going to win the Heisman having played less than a half in every game. Okay, anyway, uh, I want to get to the Matt Canada comments on him. Uh, Maryland right now is the 123 out of 129 FBS teams and only one FBS team has thrown for fewer yards, and that's Georgia Tech, and they run the triple option, and they don't throw the ball. Feels like Maryland's basically running the triple option with all the motion. And Matt Canada said... You talk about stats, you want to make something better. You either win or you lose. That's how we're functioning. So in three games, one, everything was good. In two games, we lost. Everything was bad. Stats are for losers. Wouldn't have necessarily added in the last sentence, but I don't necessarily disagree with his thought. Maybe it didn't come out the way that he would have liked. How do you fix yeah, that Yeah, it definitely then?
1: didn't. <laughs> I mean, Canada has actually said this a few times. I think he says it kind of jokingly, but but with the point still remaining that he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily look at, you know, how how you balance things. It's whether it works or whether it doesn't. And you can agree and disagree with that. Um, yeah, no, Maryland should probably have a little bit closer to balance. I think Hill is a good enough thrower that you don't need to abandon the pass game to the extent that they have been. Um, as far as Pigram, just to go back to a point you made earlier, I think, there is a school of thought that maybe Pigram does some things better than Hill. He's obviously more mobile and he, it's not like he doesn't have an arm at all. And so there is, there is a certain level of intrigue and a certain level of, you know, we'll take the mystery behind what we're seeing right now. And this is what happens with a lot of fan bases when, when quarterback number one struggles, Um, especially when you have like good memories of quarterback number two. And so, so that's a whole thing there, but, but, yeah, I mean Maryland needs to figure something out i don't I don't know what exactly is the solution, I guess
0: not playing Michigan
1: playing Rutgers instead of Michigan might help. yes, should help. and I think like when when had time with the pocket, he's made some some really good throws he he's not throwing super tight spirals, which can be worrying, but. Um, I mean, he's had he's had good games. He had a good game against Minnesota, and against or, and against Texas, which like is a good defense and is now it's like a legitimate team.
0: Maryland beat Texas, and so Villanova has a transitive win over Texas. That's gonna be my favorite thing this entire football season until Texas doesn't make the college football playoff because See, they won Maryland.
1: For me, I think the better even the the better part of that is that Towson beat Villanova, and so is now atop this whole chain. Yes, they are. Which now includes Oklahoma at the bottom.
0: <laughs> oh, transitive football wins! Isn't that the best thing that the internet has ever created?
1: Yeah, my, I mean, the site about it is fantastic. And I, 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 mean, in my head, I just you know keep track of the little chain that has, you know, Maryland in the middle of it, and I don't, I don't care about too many other things. Like by the end of the season, you, you can ha- have anybody a transitive, a transitive win over, over any over team that's lost a game. If Alabama's lost.
0: This is true. I mean, they could at some point, but uh, I want to make a couple points about this. The first of which is I was a little bit disappointed about the offensive line play because that is such a good veteran group, and they had all sorts of other things going on you know, with with their struggles in that game. I mean, Michigan is great up front. Their defensive line is really, really good, even without Rashawn Gary and some of their players. I was expecting more from them. Maybe some of that's Kasim Hill being a little bit indecisive in the pocket, but I was expecting a bit of a better performance for Maryland's offensive line.
1: I think that's reasonable, especially this was the first game that I think they had the last year's starting lineup out there where Terrence Davis was fully healthy, Damian Prince was fully healthy, Derwin Gray is healthy. Mm -hmm. And you put Brendan Moore at center, Sean Christie, left guard. That was last year's starting offensive line. Everyone's back, everyone's healthy. This was—I mean—that was the first game all year they had that, and it just didn't match for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, that that should have gone better. I mean, we'll see if if that continues against other good defenses, but it, it's certainly worth being concerned about.
0: It is absolutely worth being concerned about. The second thing I should say is, I think Matt Canada was asked about why Tyrell Pigram hasn't played as much, and he said. I want to see him play more and well it is on him he is the play caller and I am a little bit surprised that through five games we haven't seen as many Tyrell Pigram packages though I think we did see more of them against Michigan than we did against anybody else I don't have any numbers to back that up but from my recollection of the game it certainly seemed like he played more in this game than he had in others
1: yeah well I think he got one drive in the fourth quarter and then um Kasim Hill threw a pick six, and then Pigram led a touchdown drive. And so,
0: well, he led the touchdown drive in the. Fourth it, it was kind
1: of, it was kind of a garbage time thing, although Maryland just didn't have the ball in garbage time against Temple. I think maybe we would have seen more in that game, but absolutely. I mean, y- you saw a little bit of what you can get, and it's obviously fourth quarter low leverage. But he did some good things. He had a, he had a 42 yard run that was Maryland's biggest play of the day by a mile, and. I mean, he, he's another one of those guys. You just, he's the kind of playmaker in space that should be getting touches. And a lot of, there's there are other teams out there with similar problems with even better options like Alabama. But Alabama's finding ways to, like, use both of its guys. And there's game footage of that. Yeah. I'm not saying that Pigram is Jalen Hurts, but I'm saying that, you know, Matt Canada's a smart long. guy. He can figure figure out a way to get the two of them a little more involved without creating a quarterback controversy. I think it's not not an easy thing to do. I don't have the answer to it myself. If I did, I'd be in his profession.
0: This is true. This is true. I think that more because Picker not necessarily as great of a raw passer, but he's definitely more of a runner and adds another dimension. Maybe you see him, if you're going to run the ball more, Having Pigram back there does a lot more for your running game because you now have to take the quarterback into consideration as opposed to with Hill. You don't really have to, even with all the motion. I think that's part of it, but I wonder if we'll see it more just because Matt Canna has done a good job of adjusting. The last time they had a loss, they came back and they won handily. We think that's what's going to happen on Sunday against Saturday against Rutgers. What the hell with Maryland and Rutgers playing on Sunday? Uh, Maryland is, oh boy maryland is playing rutgers again i don't even want to think about the last two times i went to those games in person let's not think about that let's think about the times i didn't go to those games in person maryland won those games uh maryland is a gigantic favorite i think ryan said that this is the biggest maryland's been favored over an fbs team in 15 years or something like years And and that was the 10 win maryland team yeah yeah you're right very good shout and uh, let, let me be clear, we make fun of Rutgers a lot on this show. I don't want to continue to do it because the jokes aren't funny, and it's actually kind of getting pathetic now how bad they are. When you lose by 41 to Kansas, it becomes more, less funny and more sad. Uh, but this team's garbage. And the only thing I will say about this for Maryland is, not only is it homecoming, of course, that adds a little dynamic to this game too, but the fact that they overlook Temple means I highly, highly, highly doubt they're going to overlook Rutgers. I think they're taking this game incredibly seriously because of what happened with temple and temple's better than Rutgers on the field. I think that Maryland is probably going to take this game really seriously. And it would not surprise me if Maryland absolutely destroyed them. I think the spreads 21. It wouldn't be surprising if Maryland beat them by more. than. But uh, by,
1: by the time we're recording this, I mean the spread as of this morning was up to 25 and a half. And by the time this posts, it might be 26.
0: It's like kept can, going up. I th- because 21's a little bit low. <laughs> To be honest, against Rutgers, I mean, the best part of Maryland losing to Temple is now they will never take these games against bad teams not seriously. And they are I mean, the thing with Rutgers
1: is, like, great. Rutgers beat Maryland last year. That is very fresh in all of these players' minds.
0: This is true, but Maryland didn't have any of their top two quarterbacks. And didn't have their third quarterback by the time the game ended. Yeah, that was odd. That was a weird day. That was, I would, you were there and I was there. It was mm-hmm. not a fun day. I didn't enjoy it very much at all. But, I mean, I, I would think Maryland needs to win this game by a lot. I mean, even if they won it by a little, they need to win it anyway. But, I mean, I, I just want to see if the offense can figure itself out in this game. Because if you can't figure yourself out against Rutgers, you're in trouble. Now, this could also be one of those games in which Maryland runs it down the opponent's throat and then just keeps on doing it because they can't stop it. And i don't know if that's a concern, but it certainly seems like it's probable that it could happen.
1: Yeah, like I don't know how I would feel about that if it did happen and then I'll 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 get back to you on that.
0: We'll spend some time this time next week if Marilyn runs for three hundred yards again, dissecting whether it was a good thing that Marilyn ran for three hundred yards. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that that'll
1: be that'll be the most spoiled we've ever been and it's then we'll the... we'll we'll catch karma for that one if we do. So
0: that is the Stop most advance, but... that we have ever been in the history of Testudo times. Uh, whatever the case may be, uh, that game is noon on BTN, and then next week, Iowa is noon on ESPN2. A lot of nooners, but the nooners might be over by the end of the uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, we do want to talk about the comments made quickly by the booster, whose name I'm forgetting, and that might be for the best, uh, about what he said about Jordan McNair and the fact that he was then removed from the travel list. Uh, Ryan wrote a column where he was really angry about it, and I can definitely understand where he's coming from because the comments were not smart. Uh, What say you on this issue? So, I mean, there there is, I think,
1: to some extent, the guy's... Rick Jacklich is is his name. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but he, he basically... He said, as much as we hate to say this, Jordan didn't do what Jordan was supposed to do, referring to Jordan McNair, um, bas- basically saying McNair didn't drink the water that was given to him, and that kind of throws off the trainer, which in and of itself, just factually, isn't even that wrong, but it's very much something you don't say, and it's something that will will piss everyone off, and it pissed the players off, and that's you know probably what he deserved for it, and he... Has apologized and backtracked some of it and defended some of it. And I don't know. I think the episode's probably over. It's probably going to be no huge deal in the scheme of things. Um, I, I truly don't think Boosters will have that much of an impact on whether the coach stays or goes. Um, but it'll be interesting to see just what what happens.
0: Well, from I there. think the reason why it seems like is that the. the uh... The boosters seem to be some of his most prominent supporters. Right? We we haven't yes. heard a lot of boosters come out and say, No, I want him gone.
1: Yeah, I mean he he has been particularly good to high level boosters and maybe not as endearing to average fans. And you can you can take that how you will. Um but I, I think that, that does at least explain a little bit of um You know why he's getting the reactions he's getting from the people he's getting them from.
0: It's a complicated issue, and this makes it only more complicated, but here, I will say it personally, his comments were stupid. I don't think there's anybody who could disagree with that, and whatever the thought may be, if you've got that thought, sometimes you might want to keep that to yourself, because this wasn't the fans who caused him to get booted. It was the players who said, now, come on now, and... In the end, if you if you pissed off at players, then what are you doing? Anyway, that's another episode in the dysfunctional viper pit of Maryland Athletics. So let's move on to something else that's fun and warm and fuzzy, and that is the fact that Basketball Media Day is, as we are recording this tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you're probably watching some of what is going on in, I think Chicago is where it's taking place, and you have probably read some of what Mark Jordan has already said. We will see that. As time goes on, but we now have the media poll that was released and Maryland was picked to be seventh in the media poll ahead of them. According to everyone who was there, Michigan State, Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska, Purdue, Wisconsin, and then Maryland, Ohio State, Minnesota, Iowa, Penn State, Northwestern, Illinois, and Rutgers is the rest of the order. Uh, This is interesting to me because Maryland, I think, was predicted no worse than fifth in any of the few years that they have been in the Big Ten. So 7th is the lowest they've been. Some people had them as high as 3rd. Some people had them low as 11th. I'm going to quote the, uh, the Athletics' Brendan Quinn, who compiled the poll, and he picked Maryland to finish 10th. I'll give you my thoughts on this after uh, I read this quote for you. Maryland's predicted between 3rd and 11th in the media poll. History says the former is more likely. The Terps averaged 12.7 wins and didn't finish lower than 4th in their first three years in the Big Ten. Mark Turgeon had nothing but success the league before last year's 8-10 and finish. Maybe the safe bet is to cast aside 2017-18 as an aberration. For where I'm sitting, though, this feels like a situation swinging the other way. Anthony Cowan, Bruno Fernando, and Daryl Marcel represent a talented trio, but it's a trio back from a team that I often saw as being inherently flawed a year ago. There was something off about that team, and I'm not sure one offseason a highly touted incoming freshman class will change that. Also, Kevin Herter, one of the few bright spots last season, is now on the Atlanta Hawks. There's also the matter of the, of the sum of the surrounding fog. Round the Maryland program, the Terps should be wary of the unmarked van and part of, front of the FBA, uh, Xfinity Center the FBI might be watching. I don't think the FBI has anything to do with how Maryland's going to play on the court because Arizona still ended up looking pretty decent. I mean, they screwed up in the tournament, but plenty of teams get upset in the tournament. Uh, and they're still recruiting pretty well, so clearly that hasn't affected them. Neither has it affected Kansas or anybody else who the FBI has knocked on doors for. On to the basketball thing, I highly doubt they're going to finish 10th. I haven't looked that in depth into the Big Ten, but to tell me that there are nine teams better than Maryland this year in the Big Ten, after last year there were only seven when absolutely everything went wrong, seems a bit rich. Correct. You know, I mean, remember we did a show. And also this year's good. Big Ten
1: just doesn't seem to have any good teams.
0: Can I like, say one thing before you continue? You remember the podcast Alex and I did when we talked to the guy from the Lansing State Journal who had Maryland out of the top twenty-five when Maryland was a top fifteen team, and we asked him what was going on. Kind of feels like that. I do not know Brendan Quinn very well. I do read the Athletic, but I have not read a lot of his work, so I'm not going to disparage him based on one thing that I see. But uh, I feel safe in saying that's probably wrong, even though preseason predictions are completely bunk and mean nothing. I feel safe in saying Maryland being 10th is probably a bit out of whack. Yeah, I mean, it depends on...
1: That prediction would involve Maryland both regressing and the rest of the Big Ten getting better while the good teams don't also magically get worse. And I would say pretty much everyone in the Big Ten has regressed closer to average like the two teams and on the teams like the Maryland trainings. that Michigan were at Michigan
0: State and Michigan have lost a good chunk of their roster. Purdue lost a good chunk of their roster. And they're all predicted to finish ahead of Maryland. Maryland lost Kevin Herter, but the rest of the players that it lost were role players that didn't end up being what we thought they could be. And they replaced them with, in three cases, very, very, very highly touted incoming freshmen who are going to probably be impact players, because in the college basketball that we see right now, freshmen are impact players.
1: Yeah, I mean, Maryland had the best recruiting class in the conference, and, and that's even with Indiana getting the best prospect in the conference.
0: Yeah, so, I don't know how Indiana is supposed to be better than Maryland based on all of what was said here and what we know about Indiana, who last year Maryland was better than.
1: I mean, Despite they lost losing two.
0: Despite losing to them, but overall, over the season, Maryland was better than them, and Maryland didn't lose to Rutgers in Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. So there you go.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, know. back to this or- original point, I think seventh is probably maybe underselling it a little bit, but at least that seems semi-reasonable. Like, I-, I think the fact that Maryland could finish third and could finish tenth tells you a lot about the Big Ten this year because Maryland does have the best recruiting class coming in. They have a lot of talent, and they have three really good players returning in Cowan, Morcel, and Fernando. And they are getting healthier, too, as compared to last year, when a lot of their problems stem from the fact that they were never healthy. I also think the trip to Italy is going to help them out a lot, because they now can hit the ground running when they start playing games. Uh, They have the secret scrimmage at the end of October against George Mason. And they'll have some built-in chemistry already. And I think that's really important when you're integrating as many young players and freshmen as Maryland is. Especially when you're integrating so many key contributing freshmen. And Ayala, Wiggins, and Smith are going to be three of the very, very most important players for this Maryland team. And having them integrated as quickly as they might because of that early trip, I think, is going to help them out a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was out of the last few years, probably the year that Maryland would have benefited most from a trip like that and, you know, kind of worked out that way.
0: I think the other thing about the Big Ten, and I haven't done enough digging. I will spend some time in the coming days and weeks doing that. But with all of the teams that have lost so many key contributors, I mean, Michigan State and Purdue lost half their team. Michigan lost Mo Wagner. They have good players. I mean, Indiana is the only team that really sounded like it got better in terms of talent compared to last year. I mean, even Nebraska, who was predicted to be ahead of Maryland, I mean, they have a great player, James Palmer, but would you honestly think that Nebraska basketball is going to be better than Maryland over the entirety of a season? I know it happened last year, but something tells me that doesn't seem right.
1: I mean, I I believe it. I mean, especially if I I believe most of that team is staying together. It was was a lot of transfers, and so the fact that it came together as well as it did is – encouraging but still I, mean, I think maryland's talent level is ahead of nebraska's and honestly ahead of most teams in the conference because most pretty much everyone lost a good deal
0: i think that there, as there as the are no Ohio state's below them in this whole poll when ohio mm-hmm. state last year was the most surprising team in the conference i, I don't know where that comes from
1: oh that's ohio state losing to bates deop and not having too much else
0: this is true i mean as i said my preparation for this was not particularly high but just seeing that some people had maryland 11th just seemed like it was completely out of whack now i will say if maryland does finish 10th or 11th then the people who have been calling for mark turgeon's head might have a lot more uh to back up their claims whatever the case may be we were recording this before he makes his comments so what you're about to hear is going to sound a little bit dated but what are you looking forward to him to say like, he's going to get asked about the FBI investigation. And he's going to say what he's already said. But in terms of basketball things you want to hear from him, is there anything specific you want to hear? Or is it just going to be a media day thing where coaches say platitudes and everyone goes home?
1: I expect the latter.
0: Well, you yeah, um, know, you
1: can try. But he likes his team. Italy helps him really bond. I don't know. I think we'll, we'll get a little bit more as the season starts to go on. But. What is
0: Midnight Madness, by the way? It should be pretty soon.
1: I believe it's almost end of the month actually.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Well the, the
1: They're doing they're doing a midnight mile this coming weekend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then But I believe Madness is the twenty sixth.
0: That's later than it usually was. It's normally around this time every year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh the point being Don't discount what people say about Maryland, but some of the things seem a little bit out of whack. Whatever that might be. We will find out because I will probably regret saying all these things in a later podcast, and I'll have to go back and listen to it and then say, Matt, why did you say these things? It happens all the time. Anyway, uh, we'll get to some non-revenue sports now. Field hockey lost and the sky is falling, Thomas. This is terrible.
1: This is horrible. What are we going to do, Matt? I do not know what we're
0: going to do. Maybe I, next week I, we have to start off the show by talking about field hockey again.
1: They're just going to have to start beating top 10 teams again.
0: Haven't they already done enough of that?
1: Yeah, well they 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 have to keep doing it cuz they've got a top 10 team coming tomorrow as we post this. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Schedule just keeps the- on doing this. Uh, they just kind of fell behind early and then didn't didn't score enough goals. I I don't know. I didn't watch it. was on uh I I, I was working, I believe.
0: Well, you don't need to make excuses why we don't watch. We could just tell you this is what happens. But I get the sense that the field hockey team is a little like women's lacrosse, and that when they lost, it just serves to piss them off. And then they come back and find more motivation than they ever needed, and then they go back and destroy people. Like, the, the field hockey team and the women's lacrosse team kind of fit the same sort of mold in terms of the way that they're coached and the way that they go about their business all the time. And the fact that both are, I guess, the best programs at the school right now gives you kind of a hint of that. hmm uh, other non-revenue sports things. Uh, volleyball beat Rutgers.
1: Yeah, volleyball beat Rutgers. Lost at Penn State. You know, it, it,
0: it's one of the best programs in the country.
1: Yes. So half the Big Ten is like phenomenal, and then the lower half of the Big Ten is beatable. And so far, Maryland has beaten most of the teams at that half. Okay. And by half, like two thirds of the Big Ten is top
0: twenty. Yeah, because like I was looking at some of the scores I had seen recently, and I was like, Minnesota-Nebraska, 2-5. and five. It's like insane, yep. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the Big Ten is kind of a, a conference that cares a whole lot about volleyball, and uh, Maryland is kind of behind the eight ball in that way. It's getting there. We'll see. Keep on working. And then soccer, I, which I have not been paying enough attention to, I fully admit.
1: So, men's soccer, um, Drew... With Georgetown on a Monday afternoon plays at number two Indiana this weekend, so that'll be interesting
0: um, yeah, this is not one of uh, Sahow's more talented teams. He lost a lot of talent from years past, and then, yeah Maryland's uh, soccer. It takes a little bit of time to rebuild
1: Maryland's highlights this season um they they did get a road win over a ranked team a couple last weekend, I believe, but you know kind of their highlights other than that have been you know, grinding out scoreless draws against better teams.
0: Uh I'm i uh, can I have to compare them to West Brom now and Tony Peel I'm not gonna do that. That's it's it. not the Sasha Soroski I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, I respect him Let's... too much.
1: Women's <laughs> yeah. soccer though beat its first ranked opponent in four years and it was uh, number fourteen Northwestern on senior day. So that oh, is good. certainly an encouraging thing for a team that had, you know, kind of it's been really consistent this year, the offense has disappeared for Long stretches, but pretty clear progress being made, and that win is sort of the signature for it.
0: Yes, good, because when I saw them, uh, there wasn't much to be happy about. <laughs> oh, well. That Drexel team is okay, by the way, in case you're wondering. If, if you wanted to have a point of reference to where Maryland is now, that Drexel team is solid but not spectacular. They're kind of in the same boat as Maryland. They've got some talented players, but they can't score goals, and they're defensively solid. Uh, anything else that we missed? I don't believe so. Oh, I'll say this. I'm about to watch, because it's Wednesday night, I'm about to watch the new CW show, All-American. The only reason why I say that is not because I'm here to pump tires of the show, but you know who the producer of that show is? Just to know. You would like to know. I bet you do. It's Robbie Rogers, who is one of the best Maryland champions ever. There you go. I hope it's good. I don't want to sit there sitting there and saying it's bad. (laughs) That would make me feel really, really guilty.
1: I wonder if knowing and rooting for the director of it will, like, or change producer. how you view it. Producer.
0: Um, maybe. Although I am one of the most cynical human beings on planet Earth, so maybe not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, having, having him there kind of makes it so I go in not expecting a complete tire fire, as I do with most new things I watch. I mean, the, the baseball playoffs are over until Friday, so why not give it a chance? And obviously, Robbie Rogers is one of my favorite people on planet Earth, so that's for very obvious reasons if you haven't figured that out. But I'm going to watch that and be very interested, and of course, we should always support Terps in everything that they do, especially uh, people like him. Anyway... Enjoy Rutgers on Saturday. It's been one year since that Northwestern game, which we didn't spend any time talking about Northwestern because Maryland kind of fired its AD on that day. It's been one year since then. Oh, wonderful. Hasn't it? I mean, wasn't that one of the most interesting days you've ever had? That was odd. Well, I mean, tying it back to the whole uh, what's the worst team you've ever covered thing, does last year count?
1: This year's been worse. Your Honor.
0: <laughs> this year's been worse, Your Honor. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: This well this summer. If you count the summer well, and summer, everything I count it,
0: it more along the lines of like actual just on the field. Like if you're considering everything, then yeah, this has definitely been the worst. But if you're considering off if it's just on the field, then last year was definitely worse. Which is why I think that twenty twelve will always stand out. Oh, up there I'll agree as, with that. As my as the worst football team. No, okay. It's not the worst football team I've ever seen. I have too many Jaguars examples to follow up on, on that, but if anybody asked me, what's the worst football team you've ever seen? 2012 Maryland Terrapins might stand up there, largely because of just terrible luck. But anyway, you don't need to hear more about that team. And we bury that team too often on this show, and I feel bad doing it. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the weekend, and hopefully Maryland beats Rutgers, because if not, I don't know what we're going to do. The next podcast might just be sad violin music if Maryland loses to Rutgers. For 45 minutes. Uh yeah, i, I uh, we'll have somebody create an original composition of pain for that one. Until uh, then, of course, we no terms.